Well, if you have a Bible, and I hope you or somebody around you does that you can look on with, let me invite you to open with me to Mark chapter 10. Feel free to use table of contents if you need to. Mark chapter 10, and as you're turning, I want to welcome those of you in other locations in Montgomery County and Loudoun and Arlington and Prince William and those who are online because you're physically unable to be with us or you totally missed spring forward and (laughs) messed up the whole schedule or those of you in this gathering right now who thought you were coming to a different gathering or meant to come to the nine o'clock. Anyway, it's good to be together and you're going to need something to right with or on at the end of our time together today. So if you don't have anything like that right now, then I want to encourage you to find something while I'm talking. I know that here at Tyson's we have a piece of paper and and pens uh, on tables where the communion elements are. And I think there's similar things at different locations. Uh, And it may be best for you to write on a device that you may have with you, that's obviously fine, but just resist the temptation for that device to be a distraction to you as we meet with God. God is moving in a special way in our church family right now in ways that can only be explained by his hand and only be attributed to his glory. In our worship gatherings, in extra gatherings every night last week, then a full room gathered from across all our locations at Tyson's here this last Friday night. It was beautiful, just all ages, young kids to senior adults, a variety of teenagers. There's so many other things on a Friday night teenagers can be doing than coming to a prayer gathering to seek God. And we are seeing God move. We're seeing family members and friends and neighbors we've been praying for come to faith in Jesus. We're seeing people who've been distant from God and from the church come back to God, come back to the church. People are confessing and experiencing forgiveness and freedom from addictions, adultery, pornography, anger, bitterness, pride, all sorts of other sin in our lives. And not just in these meetings, these gatherings, people who aren't in these meetings, who we're praying for, people far away from these meetings are experiencing fresh conviction of sin and repenting. Numerous stories over just the last couple of weeks of broken and hurting marriages that are taking needed steps toward healing. We're praying for each other with rising faith in the power of God, in the wisdom of God, and the love of God. And I want to encourage you not to miss out on what God is doing. So we've already decided we're gonna gather again this Friday night all together here at Tyson's at 7.30. I invite you to be here to bring others with you. And not to miss out today, like I just prayed. I'm not going to put her on the spot and tell all her story, but I just prayed with a sister from our church family. It's been a long time since she's been here, 
because of a stroke that has paralyzed her. And she heard about what God has been doing over the last couple weeks, and she came back today for the first time in a long time in a wheelchair, just saying, I want to be a part of what God's doing here. So you know who you are. Just really special time. Like we, let's, let's check our expectations right now. Are, are you here just to go through religious routine on a Sunday morning? Or are we here to meet with God? Like we read in our, if you follow church's Bible reading plan this last week, Exodus chapter 19, the people of God coming to this mountain where God reveals himself in a, as a consuming fire. And his voice sounds like thunder, and the people are trembling before God. And they're just praying, God, create a holy sense of trembling before you and reverence before your word and move in power among us in ways that can only be explained by your hand only attributed to your glory. I was meditating this week on Psalm 85, and I'll just put it up here. You're in Mark 10. I'll just put it on the screen. But listen to this prayer in the Bible. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God of our salvation. Put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord. Grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs from the ground. Righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good. Our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. That psalm was written in a time of moral decline and spiritual darkness, which we are in, in our country and our city and in the church today. And this psalm is a prayer for God to revive his people and bring new life in ways that bring, so follow this, just the things that are mentioned here to bring favor from God and forgiveness from God for sin and restoration to God and renewed joy in God in ways that lead to salvation from God according to his steadfast love, in ways that lead to hunger for 
the word of God and reverence for the word of God, fear of God and his glory dwelling in our midst, blessing from God, what is good, a land that's yielding increase and righteousness before God. I look at all these things and I see God doing these things among us. He's showing by his grace favor to us. He's showering forgiveness over us as we confess our sin. He's restoring relationships to him, relationships with each other. He's restoring joy. He's bringing salvation. He's causing hunger for his word to grow, reverence for his word. He's bringing us to deeper fear of him. He's showing his glory in our midst. And what we're saying is we want more of that. All of that. We want to see more people saved. We want to have more fear of you. We want to see more of your glory in our midst. We want to see your glory in our midst in our church. We want to see your glory in churches across our city. We want people to hallow the name of Jesus in Metro Washington, D.C. We want people to hallow the name of Jesus among the nations. We want this. We don't want to just go through religious routine. We want you, God. So... Oh, my, my church group's been meditating on Ephesians 3. And how about this? Paul prays, you know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. That's what we want. We want to be filled with all the fullness of God in our lives, in our families, in church, city, the nations. So I thought about all right, today, do we need to camp out in Psalm 85? Or we need to go to Ephesians 3 or to other places in the Bible that talk about revival and confession and repentance and prayer? And, and maybe we will next Sunday and in the days to come. I don't, I don't know. We're going day by day right now. But when I sat down this week, sought the Lord and just asking God, what do you want to say to us in this gathering? My mind was immediately drawn to What's actually the next text we were scheduled to be in, in Mark chapter 10. So I just want to read it to you and show you how this word relates so clearly to what all God's doing among us right now. God, give us a sense of trembling at your word speaking to us right now. Mark 10, verse 17. I'll have it on the screen. If, if you don't have a Bible, you can follow along. As Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. 
And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Oh, there is so much here. We've looked at this text before, as recently as this fall when we talked about biblical giving. And there's so much here that speaks directly to our use of money and possessions, especially with our relative wealth in the world in the place where we live, one of the wealthiest places to ever exist on planet Earth in history. And Jesus just said, it's hard to get to heaven from a place like this. This strikes right at how we are using money or possessions in a world where nearly a billion people live in desperate poverty. Many in our city live in poverty and oppression. On top of spiritual poverty, billions of people in the world who have no access to the gospel. And we have money from God that can affect all of that. So we need to hear God speaking specifically to our use of money. And we need to hear God speaking overall to the tendency in all of our hearts to hold back from him which has become a theme during these days, and and not just because I wrote a book with that title, because of what God's Word said to us two weeks ago in a gathering that just kept going, all started from Isaiah 54. Don't hold back from me, from all that I have for you. But do you see the picture here? Here's a guy who wants life to the full forever. He has so much in this world, but he knows he's missing something. So he comes to Jesus, and Jesus says to him, you lack one thing. There's something you're holding back from me. And Jesus goes straight to the heart. He says, go, sell all that you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. You see, don't don't hold back from me. And from all that I have for you, treasure in heaven that will last forever. But in order to have me and all that I have for you, you have to let go of what you're holding on to. So God's word leads directly to this question and this gathering right now for every one of us, including myself, 
What are you holding on to that is keeping you from the fullness of God in your life? This is the question God is asking you and me right now. What's holding you? Right where you're sitting right now, what's holding you back from God? From the fullness of God in your life? For this man, it was clearly his possessions. So was it for you? Not the person beside you, in front of you, behind you, like in your life. And right now, in this word, Jesus is calling you to radical surrender to him. Of whatever that thing or those things are. But did you see this man's language? It's so interesting. He said to him, teacher. Or before this, he said, good teacher. This man thought Jesus was a teacher for him to listen to, even respect. But this man did not see Jesus as a Lord to obey. There's a difference. So what is Jesus for you? A teacher to respect or a Lord to obey? And this approach to Jesus as a teacher to respect is the curse of casual Christianity today. It's easy to call yourself a Christian and to come to church and to go through various motions of Christianity while holding on to all kinds of things in your life, in this world. We've got to stop and ask the question, what are we holding on to? Just think about it. Are you holding on to your money and possessions? Have you truly surrendered all your money and possessions to Jesus for him to spend however he wants you to spend in a world of urgent spiritual and physical need? Does your spending, does your use of money align with the purposes of God in this world? Or does it align with the purposes of this world? Where your treasure is, there your heart is. Are you holding on to money and possessions? Are you holding on to sexual impurity, to thoughts, desires, actions? People this week have been confessing. Pornography, adultery, singles. Are you holding on to sexual activity outside of marriage? What do you want more, sexual immorality or God? Are you holding on to anger, to bitterness, to unforgiveness towards someone else? Are you holding on to worry? Are you not trusting God with this circumstance or that trial in your life, in your family, your work? Are you holding on to jealousy in your heart? Do you look at 
others and desire to be like somebody else, to have what they have? Are you holding on to fear? To fear maybe of what will happen if you truly surrender to Jesus, where he might lead you, what he might lead you to do. What if he leads you to move somewhere else for the spread of the gospel? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to move anywhere in the world for the spread of the gospel? Or are you holding back from that kind of surrender? Are you holding on to the fear of man? Are you controlled by what others think of you? Are you obsessed with putting forward a certain image. Our students spoke a spirit-prompted word, not just over their peers, but over our whole church family in one of these prayer gatherings, saying Some of, so many of us are living for what others think of us, and we need to be free from that. Are you holding on to fear of others that keeps you from sharing the gospel with them? Fear of what they might think of you, Fear of how they might respond or maybe fear you might lose your job, which leads to the question, are you holding on to your work in such a way that you can't let go of it? You're constantly immersed in it, drawn to it in such a way that it's always top of mind. You can't let it down. It's taking over more important priorities in your life like quality time with God or with others. Are you holding on to this gadget in your pocket like a slave to it, constantly scrolling, addicted to it? Like when you wake up in the morning, it's the first thing you do. And you go to bed at night, you're scrolling through it. Your impulse all throughout the day is to seek it instead of seeking God. Or lifting your eyes to look at the people around you. What are you holding on to that's keeping you from loving your spouse, your parents, members in your family, members in the church? What pride are you holding on to? What control are you holding on to, trying to control this or that in your life or your family when it's not yours to control? I could keep going on and on. What, what are the things the one thing, the things you're holding on to that are keeping you from total surrender to Jesus, from the fullness of trusting and obeying and following and seeking Jesus in your life above everything in this world. And God is calling you today to let go. Right now, in this gathering, God is by his spirit through his word saying, let go. And do you know why he's calling you to let go? Because he loves you. Don't miss the beauty of this passage. Jesus, looking at this man, loved him and said these words to him. Yes, Jesus is calling you to radical surrender to him, and Jesus is calling you with radical love for you. Jesus wants this man to have life, which is why he says this, let go. And the good news 
in this gathering for every single person is Jesus looks at you and loves you. That's why he says this to you. He wants you to have life. He wants you to have eternal life. He's calling you, just like he called this man, to let go of pleasures that won't last for treasure that won't fade. You may think with whatever you're holding on to, it's hard to let go of. I don't want to let go of it. But see it. Jesus is better. He's better than anything and everything we're tempted to hold on to. Jesus is better than all the money and all the possessions in this world put together. Jesus is better than sexual immorality with this person or that person. He's so much better than the images you're obsessing over on a screen. Jesus is better than hours spent on any screen. The peace of Jesus is so much better than the anger in your heart. The forgiveness and freedom of Jesus is so much better than the bitterness that's eating you up inside. And Jesus is better than the approval of others. He's better than you being like others. Jesus is better than your work and success and achievements and degrees you can get in this world. And his plans for your marriage and your family or your singleness are better than yours. His control in your life is better than your control of your life. Jesus is better than all your plans and all your dreams and all the pursuits of this world. He's the one who made you. He knows you inside and out. He knows what is best for you. And when you realize who he is, you realize that surrender of everything to him is not sacrifice. It's smart. Right? Just look at this passage. Jesus said, truly I say to you, there's no one who's left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or, or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Did you see that? A hundredfold. That sounds like a smart deal. Jesus says, surrender everything you have to me, you'll have 100 times more. Now. Now. You don't have to wait. It's just smart. This is a hundredfold return on your investment today and forever. When you don't hold back from Jesus and the gospel. Which makes sense, doesn't it? The gospel of Jesus, the good news that God, the God who created all things, rules over all things, made you in his image so that you might enjoy him and relationship with him. You're made for relationship with God. 
And even though you have sinned against God, I have sinned against God. We've turned aside from God and his ways to ourselves and our own ways and all the things in this world. And you and I deserve eternal judgment before God. We deserve eternity in hell. God loves you and me so much that he sent his son Jesus. This is the gospel, that he sent his son Jesus, God in the flesh, to pay the price for our sin against him on a cross and to rise from the dead in victory over sin and the grave so that anyone, anywhere, no matter who you are or what you've done, when you turn from your sin, yourself, the things of this world, put your trust in Jesus to forgive you of your sin, to reconcile you to God, you will be forgiven of all your sin. You will be restored to relationship with God now and for all of eternity by faith in Jesus. Why would you say no to this? Why would you hold on to th things in this world when you have Jesus and the gospel before you? This is where C.S. Lewis always comes to my mind because people think, I just have such strong desire for stuff in this world. My desires are so strong. No, your desires are so weak. It takes so little to satisfy you. C.S. Lewis said, we're half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy has been offered to us. Like ignorant children who go on making mud pies in a slum because we cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. He says, these words, he says, we are far too easily pleased. It takes so little to please us. We, just, we think this world tastes good. We need a new appetite. Like, it's like my kids, my mom was in town this last week, and they love when grandma comes to town because she'll take them to Taco Bell. <laughs> and we don't do that. We enjoy Mexican food. And Taco Bell's not it. Like, it's just... <laughs> It takes so little to satisfy you. Like, there's something better out here. It's not a perfect example, but, but, but Jesus is offering you life that nothing in this world can compare with. So don't hold back. Don't hold on to this when you have this before you. And this is what these days are about. God is moving among us calling us to more of him. So don't hold back. We've said from the beginning, when all this started with God's invitation in Isaiah 54 and 55 to come to him, drink from his waters, we said, okay, you're either going to be a participant or an observer here. You know, watch others seek God and taste and see the goodness of God, or you're going to taste and see yourself. God is inviting every single one of us to participate. God is saying, Isaiah 54, don't hold back. Don't sit back closed off, arms crossed, resistant to whatever God is calling you to. Don't be like this guy. Look at verse 22. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. What a... What a sad verse. It's the only time in the whole book of Mark 
that someone Jesus calls to himself specifically refuses. He chooses to hold back. And I just want to show you the anatomy, the makeup of the one who holds back. Look at it. One, his eyes are blind. He can't see that Jesus is better. He actually thinks the things of this world are better than Jesus. He actually thinks his ways are better than God and God's ways. And so many people in this gathering are there. You're holding tightly on to whatever the one thing or the things are in your life that you can't see. Jesus is better. Open your eyes. Don't walk away blind today. Open your eyes. His eyes are blind. His face is sad. This man is so eager in the beginning, but he walks away full of sorrow. Why? Because he's walking away from the only one who can bring him fullness of joy. His face is sad. His eyes are blind. And his hands are full with what won't fulfill. He walks away from Jesus, holding on to hands full of that which will leave him ultimately empty. Don't, don't do that. We've seen this during these days. We've seen both sides of this. I think specifically of couples. So many stories. In just two weeks, I was just talking with Ken Tucker, who oversees re-engaged ministry here, one of our elders, and he's had so much response over the last couple of weeks. Just couples saying, we want to get things right in our relationship with God, our relationship with each other. Stories of couples. I think of one just realizing we need to, we need to be honest for God and each other with sin in our lives. It's been hard They've spent that time in confession and repentance and praying together. They walk away last week holding hands for the first time in a long time. As they're walking down the road to restoration that Jesus makes possible. Yes. At the same time, think of another situation where a husband took a different path in the gathering, took off his wedding ring, handed it to his wife, walked away, not just from restoration with his wife, from restoration with God. Don't do it. I'm urging you today, don't do it. Don't walk away like this. Not, not I'm urging you. God is speaking to you by his spirit right now. Don't walk away holding on to whatever in your life. Don't hold back in any way today from surrender to him, from trust in him, from honest and humble confession before him and receiving his mercy over you. Don't hold back from the fullness of God and his spirit and his fruit and his power and his love in your life. 
And for us together to say, we're not going to hold back. We want the fullness of God in our church. We want the fullness of God to be known around our city. We want God's blessing on churches all across our city. We're going to press in and pray for God to move in power in our city. We're going to press in and pray for God to move in power in our country. We need His grace. We need His mercy. And we want to see His mercy among the nations. We have people right now in Central Asia, right where there's been earthquakes this last month. We want his love to be made known that we're going to press in and pray toward that and we're not going to hold back. We're not going to hold on to the things of this world when we've been invited to experience the fullness of God. And it starts with each one of our lives. Each one of our lives. So right now, that's, that's what I want us to do. I want to put this question back on the screen. And I want to give you a few moments to reflect prayerfully before God. And if possible, that's why I said I would encourage you to have something to write with, write on, whether a device, don't be distracted, or just something physical. Just to reflect on how you would answer this question. What are you holding on to that's keeping you from the fullness of God in your life? I mentioned a host of possible things, money, possessions, sexual impurity, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, worry, jealousy, fear. What fears are you holding on to? Look at the core. Like what, what are you afraid of? Pride, control, busyness, distractions. There's so many other things you might be holding on to. God, open our eyes by your spirit. What are you and I holding on to that's keeping us from the fullness of God in our lives? And, and maybe you've never become a follower of Jesus. Like what's keeping you from following Jesus? And I wanna give you a few moments to reflect before God. Just pray that God's spirit would lead this time and then after we've had some time to reflect, just write down, what are we holding on to? Then I here and other location pastors, other locations will lead us in a time just to say, God, we're gonna, we're gonna let go of these things. But in order to get there, we've gotta humbly and honestly ask and answer this question. What are you holding on to that's keeping you from the fullness of God in your life? So. I just want to invite you for the next few minutes to reflect on that question. And then I or other location pastors will kind of pick things up from there. So God, lead this time by your spirit. Open all our eyes. Open my eyes, God. For anything, everything we're holding on to that is keeping us from the fullness you desire for us in you. As we pray and you continue to reflect, 
so humbling. Just share, like, I feel like I've been doing this at every gathering over the last couple of weeks. But there's just new things, fresh things God's bringing to the surface in my own heart, like opening my eyes to. We need His Spirit to open our eyes. And so I, I want to I want to encourage us now that hopefully we have things in our minds, maybe written down, we're holding on to, to right now in this moment, to spend the next few minutes letting go, surrendering these things. And I'm going to ask these guys just to lead us in a song of surrender. And so maybe during this time, you need to just pray, surrender these things, and then join in singing this song. Just stand where you are. Say, I surrender all these things to you. Maybe. I want you to know this area in the front is open for you if you want to just come and kneel. It's a physical picture of saying, God, I lay these things down before you. Physical pictures like that can be really helpful just in your own life. This moment, I'm laying this down before you. So this area in front's open for you to do that. And at the same time, we, we've talked a lot over these couple of weeks about James 5. Confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. Let's be super clear what that doesn't mean. doesn't mean you need somebody else to, to go through as an intermediary between you and God. Like, you can come straight into the presence of God through the blood of Jesus and receive forgiveness for your sin. At the same time, God tells us to do this for a reason, that there is healing that's found in confessing our sin to each other. And so I would encourage you to take something you've written down, share it with somebody else during this time, next to you, somebody else you know, and ask them to pray for you. And I'm gonna ask some leaders from our church to be available down here at the front. If you'd like somebody to pray with, just to say, hey, here's what I've been holding on to. Would you pray for me? I'd love to pray for you. So much as we've talked about the last couple of Sundays, just freedom to follow the leadership of the Spirit, I would just encourage you, don't hold back from what the Spirit's leading you to do. Confession before Him, before others, praying with others, down here at the front with leaders, or just on your own, on your face before God. Let's just, let's let go of anything and everything that we're holding on to that's keeping us from the fullness of God in our lives. So however, you need to respond along those lines. I invite you to do that. As they start to sing this over us, you just respond however God is leading to you, you to do in any of those ways or maybe other ways that I didn't even mention. Let's let go of these things we're holding on to.
sing any more of this song. I just, as I'm praying over there, like, I just want to encourage you. And we've said the words. I don't know how else to put it. Like, don't hold back. There, there are people in this room, I just, who are resistant. Like, you know that there's healing that can be found in confession right now before God, before others. Like, he's worth it. He's worth it. He's better. I just want to encourage you, don't hold back. Like, turn to somebody around you with what's on your heart. Pray with a leader what's on your heart. Like, don't hold on to that which is keeping you from fullness of joy in Jesus. Don't hold anything in this world, your pride, namely, that's keeping you from the fullness of God in your life. So as we sing this, I surrender. Like, let's do that. Let's surrender to him. Like, don't, don't let your pride keep you from doing what God is calling you to do right now, calling you to let go of and share with somebody and ask them to pray for you. So just don't, don't hold back. Don't hold on to whatever that is. We sing this. I just pray, God, I pray for a spirit of surrender over this gathering, this room right now. God, we pray that you would humble us before you and help us to see what you see, the seriousness of sin in our lives and to see the wonder of your grace and your mercy and how you're ready to cover over our sin when we confess our sin to you, the way you bring healing when we return to you. God, we just pray for a spirit of surrender over this room right now. You would remove a spirit of self-sufficiency and pride and wanting to hold on. God, don't let us be Mark 10, this guy. Don't let us be this guy. We pray, help us, help us, God, to surrender. As we sing this, help us to do this, we pray.